Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. That's us, Communication Mixed Down, and we're traveling a little bit tonight. We're going to China, and uh, but a little bit of a detour through Melbourne and then back to China, and it's all the way with social media. I'm John Langer, and we are Communication Mixed Down. Well, we're off to China, as it turns out, and the detour is through Melbourne, and in the center of our discussion, once once again, is the question of not just media, but social media, and the centrality of young women's use of social media for communication, but also how they use social media for identity formation and identity negotiation. Fran Martin is a researcher and lecturer at Melbourne University with a specialism in transnational flows of communication. She's giving a presentation shortly at the university based on her research with an intriguing and I must say a mouth-filling title. And it's this, We Chat, Therefore We Are, Everyday Multicultures, Translocality, and Chinese Social Media in Inner Melbourne. Good evening, Fran. Ah, good evening, John. <laughs> and th- that was a bit of mu- a bit of a mouthful. Better, much better to read it than say it. It is. I know. Well, you know, academic papers they <laughs> invent these words. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's <laughs> right. And uh, we we're going to we're going to try and unpick some of that stuff tonight. And you've called your research a longitudinal ethnography, and its focus is on young women from China studying at universities in Melbourne. And I wanted you to give us a brief overview of what it's about. Sure, sure. Well, um, it's a five-year study, um, hence it's longitudinal. I'm following a group of um, female students from the People's Republic of China who are studying across a range of universities in Melbourne uh, for a number of years in order to understand something about the way these students uh, experience, I guess, everyday life in Melbourne, um, what their lives are like, how they feel a period away from China like this studying might impact on their identity over the longer term um, and just what their social experience is like. And the reason I'm doing that is um, student, if we look at international students generally in Australia, um, they, they make up proportionally quite a large proportion of university enrolments, about on average one in five enrolments in Australian higher education today is by an international student and by far the largest group of those students are from China. Now within that group 
more than half of them are women, interestingly, um, even mm. though the gender ratio in the, the youth cohort that they come from, there, there are more men than women um, around, but there's more women than men coming here to study. So I thought it's worth finding out something about the social side of their experience here. We know quite a lot, or quite a bit anyway, about the educational side, mm. you know, how do they take to the Australian education system, what problems might they experience there, but I feel... We don't know quite enough about the way they sort of subjectively experience mm. everyday life and, and life in Australia, particularly. Something that was interesting that I read in relation to you actually started your study by, by being in China and, and talking. This is the longitudinal and, mm. and presumably ethnographic part of it. Mm. You actually started in China yeah. locating your, let's call them your respondents, I guess, mm. there and you're going to be following them as they come to Melbourne and go yeah. through the university process and so on. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I started the study in um, 2015 uh, with a trip to several cities in China where I tracked down 30 of my participants and some of their families too, and I interviewed them before they sort of hmm. took off for Australia. Hmm. And then I picked up another 20 participants who were already in Melbourne studying. So I've got I kind of got a range of different... Um, points in their study and some of them are now graduating or have graduated or are going from undergrad to postgrad study so it's and I'm, I want to follow them also after after graduation so whether they hmm. kind of stay in Australia to work and live or whether they go to a, a different country to do that or whether they go back to China or you know whatever hmm. I'll, I'll keep hmm. following them for another couple of years. So you must be coming very good friends with them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's terrific. I mean, we, we do, we've done a lot of group activities together to get to know each other and I've done a lot of one-on-one -on -one and small group interviews over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I do feel a lot of us are pretty close and, um, yeah, that, that's one of the funnest things really, of the project. It sounds terrific and actually we should let people know that you are fluent in Mandarin as well. Yeah, it's, it's handy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes, really, I'm very envious, actually. That's really fantastic. Look, I want to go back to your uh, the title of your presentation, which is coming up. It's, you started by saying, you, this is, I'm quoting you, uh, WeChat, therefore we are. Now, you better tell us about WeChat. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, WeChat is currently one of the most, widely used social media platforms in China and by extension it is in my observation the most widely used platform um, among Chinese students in Australia so it's, it's called a super app in the sense it has a lot of different functions built into it it's kind of like a mashup of everything you could imagine that Facebook could do plus Skype plus Twitter plus online shopping plus you know mm. facilities to to pay for goods it, it's kind of got a lot of a lot of different functions but the most popular well and the one the ones i'm interested in in, in any way um and the ones that are very popular with students here are the moments feed which is a little bit like a facebook feed you can put up you know photos or links mm. to things and and chat about what's happening in your life and connect with friends um, also, there's the chat function where you can create groups and chat directly with your friends. And there's another one um, called public accounts, 
which is like almost like a subscription service. You kind of subscribe to a public account and then you get a digest every day of, of the things that they're publishing, mm. which includes a lot of news about life in Melbourne. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the people who are populating, the journalists who are populating that content are also in Australia and are writing are kind of writing their own local news, which is right. finding the main source of news for the students who I'm working with. Yes, and we'll get back to that because mm. uh, one of the things that uh, you found in the process of doing your ethnography, there was a number of, uh, let's call them racial incidents in Melbourne. Mm. And this, uh, my, my sense of what you were, what you discussed in your writing was this really alerted you to the importance of WeChat and the use of social media for these Chinese students when they were trying to negotiate their new cultural environment. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. So the incidents that um, I was writing about in the, in the paper that, that you're talking about there and I'll be presenting on next week were last year, and I don't, I mean, listeners may even have heard about this. It was, it, it cropped up a little bit in the English language media, but not much. Um, there was a series of thefts of smartphones happening in the CBD area and in kind of Carlton, so around the university campuses of the University of Melbourne and RMIT. And in the WeChat media that I was reading and that my participants were forwarding to me and wanting to discuss, these incidents were framed as targeting Chinese students in the sense, well, quite quite a few Chinese students had their iPhones stolen by, by people in the street. Um, mm. So, and I have to say up front, Victoria Police had a different view and wanted to say it's not racially motivated, it's it's opportunistic. However, the thing that I observed was in some of the WeChat public accounts, the, the issue was presented in a very racialized way, um, particularly kind of taking the cue really from some of the Australian tabloid media around other issues and blaming what they called sort of African gangs or mm. refugees or sort of other other ethnic groups for targeting Chinese people. So the whole, it just was horrible. The, the whole reportage became very, very racialized. And, and I saw students in my um, participant group become more fearful in mm. urban space mm. Like mm. during during reading this reporting and also... Thing. I mean, because the it, it, you know these things did happen. People's phones were getting <laughs> were getting stolen. It was happening to people's friends and whatever, which was quite frightening for them. So, seeing these stories circulated, they become very they became very very fearful of going out at night or um, just being being in public space in the city. But that fear had a really uh, disturbing kind of racialized tinge mm, to mm, it, mm. which was really hard to. I tried, you know, I wanted to talk about it with them and we did have some great discussions, but it, in the face of the torrent of kind of racialized reportage on WeChat, it was really hard to shift. So it just, it just got me thinking, hmm, you know, mm, well, mm. what happens to a multicultural public sphere in, in, in the case of having this type of social media where it's kind of a bit of a world of its own. It's not, I won't, I won't say it's totally isolated from Australian media or Australian society, but it, but it, it is slightly isolated so just, just because of the language. Yeah, just to, just to sort of get, get, get a clear sense of it. So these incidents were happening. It, it wasn't necessarily uh, being reported um, in, in the mainstream media here, but it was getting reported quite extensively yes. on WeChat. And, yep. the, and the students, the Chinese students here we're using that as the basis for 
their perceptions of 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 the environment, the cultural environment that they were they were currently in. Yeah, very, very much, very much so. That's right. I mean, it, it took ages for there to be any reporting in English language media, and then it was there were a couple of articles. But by that time, there'd already been I don't know maybe a month of kind of really full on reporting in in WeChat and a lot of discussion among the student groups. So. And what were they? What were they? They they were, as you said, they were, they were starting to get more more fearful of of being in Melbourne, in going yeah. on the streets and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, you know, and I guess the, the the line from the police on this was, maybe being a bit more wary is not a bad thing. Maybe you shouldn't wander around with your iPhone, you know, mm. glowing and not be aware of your surroundings. That's good advice. Um, but yeah, they they were becoming. Apart from you know the good advice to put your phone away when you when you're in the street, maybe mm. they were becoming more fearful of even being in the street, even being at the tram stop, even going out at night, and and really fearful of people with dark skin. I mean, I they just kind of people would say to me, I, I you know I saw I saw someone who looked African, so I crossed the road, or you know I wanted to get away from that place, and I mean. This is a racialized fear, and it's disturbing to hear, but it, it was a genuine fear, I think, in the readers of the media accounts, and in my view, partly kind of generated by the media accounts that they were reading. And in the sense that uh, what you're talking about here is, is uh, there's a kind of um, there's a kind of tension, I guess, that's that exists in terms of this notion of multicultural and and. Uh, uh, kind of enjoying the multicultural environment. This is mm. this is something quite different. And and social media, the way I understand what you're getting at, is social media does play a, a very important role in all of this. Yeah, that that's right. I mean, I guess because you know I, I've grown up largely in Melbourne, um, and I feel identified with the idea that our society is multicultural and it needs to be and it should be and we need to strengthen you know intercultural kind of understanding and whatever I I came to when these events occurred I found myself having a really kind of different response to what was going on than some of my participants which you know raises the point well if you come from somewhere else where they're coming from mainland China which is not well known as a kind of multicultural society even though it kind of is in a way it's not it's in the mm, sense of different mm, ethnic groups mm. but it's not framed that way as an official policy and never has been mm. um not in the same way as we see in australian social history you know you if that's the case it, you're going to have different expectations and different kind of yeah may, maybe just um experiences of living with diversity i mean not not only kind of ethnic diversity but but the, but the you know it, it, some of this is a class issue as well I, mm. I would say i mean mm. i think if people are involved in petty crime like stealing phones it's it's got to have a class component as well you you, you don't do that if you kind of you know mm. comfortably middle class i don't think mm-hmm. um so the, the, yeah like it, it it brought up it brought up a lot of uh differences i guess between the two societies and also the way that um the authorities kind of deal with that kind of crime um the the students i spoke to and and whose accounts i saw on on social media at the time were actually pretty critical of victoria police's action that they they saw themselves as being 
kind of ignored, marginalised, mm. not taken seriously um, mm. by by the police, and they felt the police weren't sort mm. of tough enough on on petty crime and, mm. and so mm. on. Well, obviously, the police have a different <laughs> view on that, and they did respond. That's um, a, yeah, that's a, probably yeah. another part of your study that uh, you have to you'll have to park that for a bit. Yeah, Fran, I was wondering if we could uh, we might just take a break, give you a break as well, and sure. we'll we'll play a station promo, and uh, we'll get back with talk to you a bit more about your study. Okay, great. Do you need mental health support from people who have been there? Wellways Helpline is a free and confidential service providing mental health information, support and referral advice. All our Helpline volunteers are peers, people who have lived experience of mental health issues. If you are experiencing concerns with your mental health and well-being or supporting someone who is, call Helpline on 1300 500 Monday to Friday, 9am till 9pm. If you don't know which way to turn or who to talk to, call us on 1300 500. Wellways Australia is a leading national mental health disability support and community care organisation and a 3CR supporter. We're Communication Mixed Down and... I'm talking with Fran Martin. She's a researcher at Melbourne University, and she specializes in, I guess, what you might call cross-cultural, intercultural, cross-national flows of communication. And we're talking a little bit about her research that she's done with female Chinese students studying in Melbourne and the use of WeChat, which is a social media platform. Fran, thanks for your time tonight. And uh, I wanted to continue with our, our, our discussion because something else which is interesting, you actually spoke to some people that were involved in producing the news that was being uploaded to WeChat that the students were using to basically negotiate around this issue about the mobile phone getting stolen. Tell mm. us about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, through through somebody I know, um, I got an introduction to uh, one of the people involved in one of the, the, the biggest WeChat public accounts in Melbourne and the most influential, um, a, a service called Mel Today. And that was interesting. I mean, I think I think at this point, and speaking to him, um, what became clear to me was that the issue with the type of news reportage, local news reportage that we were seeing on WeChat is part of a broader trend um, in the sort of deregulation and um, commercialisation of news provision um, in the sense that the way that WeChat news gets produced on these public accounts is a lot less regulated than the way you might expect it to be produced, say, for a newspaper or for television news. And this is the case right across sort of social media news provision and digital you know, news provision to some extent. Um, in the sense, it's a completely commercial model. So mm. the revenue for these um, public accounts comes from advertising. And at, at the value of the advertising on a particular um, platform like Mel Today is determined by how many readers um, they have for their stories. 
So the bottom line is the headlines need to attract readers to click on the headline Mm -hmm. that then adds to the count and the advertising value of that platform then increases. Mm -hmm. So there's a real premium on producing clickbait, you know, which we see isn't just Chinese social media. We see this all over the place, um, you know, in, 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 in our current sort of news and media environment. So that there's a real, I mean, on the one hand, there's not much media ethics regulation in the production of the stories they're written mm. by uh, it i mean the the people i spoke to their their platform has some full-time reporters but they glean a lot of stuff from the local press and just translate it and they do in my view have a bit of a preference for sensationalistic stories from the tabloid press in the sense that those are more clickable right they're more mm. sort of mm. wild and, and weird um, and then on the other hand, it's a little bit, out, in terms of regulation, it's a little bit out of sight of Australian media regulators because of the language barrier. Mm, um, mm. It's, I mean, WeChat is a Chinese platform. It's run from and administered from China. So it's actually under oh, Chinese administration. Right. You can't right. publish things that are slanderous to the Chinese government. Mm, it, mm. it can't be done. It will be censored. Um, but because it's operating in the Australian jurisdiction, legally it should also be subject to uh, regulation mm, here. Mm. Interestingly, during the time that I was looking into this, um, I heard that um, a complaint had been made about racialized reportage in the very platform, Mel Today, um, that I, who's, who's um, one of whose bosses I interviewed, um, in terms of um, the Racial Vilification Act. Um, I don't know what happened with that case, but but one of the readers had obviously mm, known mm. enough about the Australian system to think, hang on, this isn't right, we, 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 we should report this, and it was reported. But, I mean, that's rare. Mm, generally, mm. generally, it would kind of go under the radar. So, so part, part of, partly what happens, is, as you've explained it, is... Uh, the stories get reported, they tend to be very short, they tend to sort of uh, reach for the kind of sensational stuff. And if the students are are using WeChat, in particular this part of it, this sort of segment of it, um, they're getting, a, you know, a fairly, like, I don't want to call it distorted, but they're, they're getting something which is mm. clearly going to, you know, exercise them and, and probably make them anxious and stressed. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, I, I would I would go so far as to call it distorted in some cases. I mean, mm. there was a there was a reportage of um, the disturbance at Federation Square at Moomba last year, which is around when yes. all this was happening, and yes. it, it said that two hundred armed people were exchanging fire in the city. It was just like, Ooh. that's just not true. <laughs> there, were, there were no firearms oh, present. Wow, okay. You know, it's just... Right. And, and even, wow, the, wow. even the producers okay. of the media will yep. say directly, yep. yeah, we exaggerate a little bit to get the headlines. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a known thing. Also, some of my participants um, write for which other news um, platforms on WeChat because it's a way they can make some money if they're, you know, trained in... They're doing media studies degrees and things. They, they can write stories. And they tell me that they they're not contributing to this kind of racist stuff, of course, but mm. um, they're they're under pressure from their editors to produce clickbait. So if they want to do a deeper story, somebody wanted to cover um, the recent Four Corners um, program about Chinese soft power in Australia, which was mm. you know quite mm. a quite a critical account, and this young woman wanted to do a story on that, maybe refute some of its claims, but anyway, talk about the kind of political situation between China and Australia that it raised, and her editor just 
wouldn't let her. She said, first of all, that's too sensitive politically. We can't, that will be censored. Mm. And secondly, it's not, it's not kind of sensational enough. Um, so it's frustrating for the writers, for some yes. of the writers as well, I think. Uh, we've got, Fran, we've got just a couple of minutes left, and uh, it's been great talking to you. I just wanted to quote something back to you that you wrote. Mm. You said that to think about everyday multiculturalism is to think about translocality. And mm. I just wanted you to explain, look, we've got you like, you've got to do this in about a minute, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> impossible. But what you mean by translocality is really what you, we've been talking about here for, for yeah. the last little while. Yeah, yeah, partly. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, this concept of translocality is the idea that people today increasingly don't live their everyday lives just in the geographic locality where they are, right? Mm -hmm. So WeChat is, is, for example, administered from China, but it has effects here. That's an example of translocal media, yes. and people reading it and engaging with it are, in that sense, living translocally bet between places. Not that they're sort of not really here or something, that they're here, they're engaging in Australian mm -hmm. society, but... They're doing that in a, in a translocal way as well. Thanks so much for being on Communication Mixdown. And also, thank you very much for your extra time today because uh, it wasn't planned that way, but it was terrific talking to you. Mm, no worries. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, John. And I've been talking there with Fran Martin. She's a researcher and lecturer at Melbourne University. And the details of her presentation on Chinese students using social media will be on the Communication Mixdown website. Well, we're just about out of time. That's it for Communication Mixdown this week. Thanks to uh, my co-presenter, Jen Martin, who's been on the panel twiddling the knobs. We're here next Thursday 